Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new RGM Experience podcast with me, the host, Carl Maloney. How are you doing, Johnny? Wow, what a day. I'm recording this podcast. Uh, the Friday before the Monday that you're listening to it, but it's out. And we just had the biggest release day on RGM ever, I think. 20 plus new stories, interviews, reviews, celebrating what's going on at Grassroots Music across the whole world. So we've literally just put it all out on RGM today. Going a bit mental. But yeah, there's no restrictions anymore. The world feels back to normal, apart from all the news and the wars and everything. Depressing. Um, but yeah, in RGM world, it's been massive this week. So just have a look on the website, rgm.press. Celebrating grassroots music. It only, you know, we do things different here at RGM. We try to anyway. You can't win them all sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's been an exciting week. We've announced that this Saturday coming up, Yarna Festival's happening in Manchester. About eight venues, 800 tickets are going to be sold for this venue. So there's going to be nearly enough thousand people, new people, all hugging and drinking around Oldham Street in Manchester this Saturday. The Yarna Festival, raising money for Manchester Mind. And RGM are sponsoring the Oldham 33 stage. Love that. So every penny we've paid towards... You know, sponsoring the stage is going all towards Manchester Mind and the costs involved in making this amazing festival happen. So you are not alone, festival. You know, supporting mental health, raising awareness, and we couldn't be more chuffed to be a part of it. There's last time I'm looking, there was 30 tickets left from 800, so it's going to sell out soon. So if you haven't got a ticket, Google Yarna Fest and grab yourself one. 81 bands over. Eight stages. And we're supporting the 33 Oldham Street stage. Come and say hello if you're around. This week's been massive as well, the RGM Cup. Wow, what a response. On the Facebook page, the RGM Group, friends of RGM Group, on the post where we've been asking for nominations for bands to support Peter Hook and the Light at Party in the Pews Festival... Uh, in Macclesfield on the 2nd of May. All this is coming from the top of my head. I'm getting good at this. It's taken eight years. Um, yeah, so uh, basically we're um, looking for a band to support Peter Hook and the Light. One of you guys out there in the grassroots music world. And it's had over 55,000 engagements on Facebook, which is massive. Uh, over you know, 300 shares have gone out into the world. Loads of people have got involved. Loads of people have voted and shared and got involved. And now, last night, you will have seen the draw. The last 16 bands have been announced. Uh, if you want to get involved with the cup, just vote in it. Choose a band. Help them out. It's all good. So, yeah, this week, it's all going to be happening. All going to be happening. The cup is happening. It's a bit like the Euros, you know, the knockout stage bit. 
so you'll see, you know, loads of shares and stuff going on and engagement this weekend on RGM. It's a good week. It's a good place to be at RGM at the minute. I think we're smashing it. We're doing great. And thanks to UK Sound Advice as well. They are independently adjudicating the cup for uh, transparency to make sure it's all fair. You know, an independent in there. Don't want anybody having a go. You know you will. We know what you like. Uh, but anyway, that's this week in our Gemland. Busy one. It's always busy. Uh, you can keep in touch with us at RGM Pod on Twitter, on YouTube. All the videos are uploaded to YouTube and come out a few days after ours. Uh, it's good times, and the next guest and today's chat, ladies and gentlemen, is with the amazing Leon the Pig Farmer. I've been out in and around Jack's uh, friend circles, really, for a long time now, uh, and I've got to know him a little bit just on the outside of, you know, just being around him at gigs and stuff and just having a good laugh with him and that. But we've never really sat down and had a proper chat, and this podcast has forced us to do that. What? Is the origin the origins of the pig farmer? We go delve we delve into his history, his history with mental health, how he wrote and started Leon the Pig Farmer from you know, writing his way out of trouble. It's all explained in the interview. I'm not gonna spoil it and uh, I wanna you know, I want him to explain it himself because it's an amazing story. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, thanks for joining us again. Leon the Pig Farmer. So welcome to another episode of the RGM Podcast. It's Carmeloni in my little yellow booth. Uh, here for another exciting episode of the RGM Podcast experience. And today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is Leon the Pig Farmer, or Jack. Hi, mate. How are you doing? You all right? I'm doing all right, pal. You? What would you prefer, Jack, today? Uh, yeah, let's, let's go with Jack, shall we? Well, um, I'm this side. I'm this side of a stage microphone, so we might as well right. stick with Jack. Okay, so Jack, you know, you've got your name for uh, Leon the Pig Farmer. You're an author. Uh, you're a husband now. You've got the Dirt Band. You've got a lot going on, mate. I'm a busy lad now. Yeah, it's crackers. It's just nuts. To say it all started less than just under three years ago. Yeah, it's um, it's it's gone a bit mental, but I'm loving it. Total yeah. change of life, and it's good. Yeah, well, one of I've I've seen you out at many gigs. We've shared a pint. You know, out in Manchester, out and about. Uh, we've had you on in Sheffield performing and that kind of stuff. But I've never really, like, proper sat down one-to-one and had a chat with you. So we thought we'd we'd bang a screen between us, record it, mm. and put it out as a podcast as our first, like, proper adult chat, mate. How's that for you? Are you yeah, okay with that? not bad for a first date, is it? Yeah, I know, mate. Yeah, yeah. I've got my water <laughs> and everything in case it gets weird later. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it's weird because I see your name, and, and, and particularly recently, Leon the Pig Farmer's all over the place and the dirt, and you, you work, you're working so hard in getting these projects out there into the world. But I just want to delve yeah. back into your history as a person, really, and, and before you even got to the Leon the Pig Farmer stage. You just talk me through uh, young Jack starting off in life. Um, what what were you doing back in the day? Um, when, when did you start feeling creative is probably a good question to start um, I probably had a passion for creativity, but it was never unleashed at school. Mm, yeah. In my school, it was very clicky around the arts. And mm. you either did sport or you did music and you got involved with drama and stuff. Um, because I was an all right, above average footballer, yeah. to put it modestly, 
Um, I fell into the sports and I went on and did all right with football. Mm. Um, so far that I, I wanted to do it as a career, but it fell on its flat on its backside at 16 when after a few trials, um, it became apparent that I wasn't good enough to do it for a living, but I was good enough to do it part-time or, or whatever. Mm. So um, I, don't, I, I, I enjoyed art at school and I've always enjoyed lyrics and music. I got into buying vinyl at the age of about eight or nine through ah. friends of my me, me, me mum and stuff like that. So music has been around me a constant from growing up. Uh, and I'd always had an interest not only in the sound, but lyrics. Um, I enjoyed English writing at school. And, and that's as far as the creativity went, really. And until then, then I, then I left home and I joined the army when I realised there wasn't any football that's going to be paying the bills and the rent or the mortgage or yeah, whatever you want I, to call it. I, I can remember teachers at school being really supportive of people that had a passion for sports, particularly. Um, mm. I, I didn't, me personally, I didn't see the same passionate teachers around the arts about yeah. trying to get people in it. Is, is that how you found it? Would you? Yeah, I, I came from like a, a semi-rural market town comprehensive. Mm. Um, and I grew up on a council estate in a single parent family. Mm. One of the first ones probably in the seventies, to be fair, my mum was quite brave and jumped before she set a trend, I think. <laughs> but um, she's, it wasn't seen as going into create that creativity wasn't an angle. You were pigeonholed into other stuff. Yeah. And cause I was fairly academic, but not over the top academic. I was bright, but I didn't put any work in. Um, it was one of those things that sport just fell naturally. And, and because I could run fast and I was a, like a County runner, County footballer. And those were my two probably main sports were in the winter were cross country and football in the summer. I did athletics, middle distance. And, and cause I had a natural aptitude to be lazy as a teenager, I, I kind of pursued that and mm. didn't really put any graft or any effort in. And once I'd realised that um, I did get accepted to college to go and do sports science and stuff up in Skipton with a BTEC, but I decided on joining the army. It was right. yeah. a, a crazy decision, knee jerk, nothing that I'd had family that great uncles and stuff that had been in the army and but more people earlier, but no one in the, in the direct immediate family had done it. And I did it because I didn't know what else to do. Um, a lot. So of there were no avenues for art, uh, you know, the creative side of it at all back then. But I, that was that was in the background. It, I got an O level in art, but mm. it was never something that I'd want to pursue any further. Mm. Um, and because sport fell on its backside, I just joined the army. And someone said, "You, you can go and do that part time and get and, and keep fit and that." And so I, yeah. I, I joined the army. There was nothing around. The, the market town that I wanted to do, it was like 10 mile, well, 15 mile outside of York, about 20 odd from Leeds or whatever. And mm. there was, it was just, we, we were kind of like distant and a little bit more isolated. It's different now when I go back, it's a lot more connected to the mm. cities. And I think that's because it's not the eighties anymore. Uh, we've got, mm. a, we're a lot more mobile socially and on the internet, aren't we? So we know a lot more, mm. but I, I kind of I joined the army. I think it was kind of a rebellious thing that yeah. I didn't want to do anything around where I was and I wanted to get away. And that was what I did, really. I think the parents were pissed off at the time about it. But after I'd carved a, a decent, successful career in it mm. with what I did specialise in, it was, it was all forgotten that it was a bad thing. Because I've got to remember in the 80s, there was a lot of bullying in the army going on and people were scared and, and there was a lot of um, bad media going around especially after the Falklands. And it was only a few years after that. And we're still in a cold war. And, and it, it was, there was a bit of a stigmatised that you, you only went and did it if you had nothing else to do. But yeah. 
I kind of enjoyed it. I had, I got some great mates. I still still hang around with a few of the lads and a couple of girls. And I just touched base with the lass at the moment who I haven't seen for 20 years. And mm-hmm. it was like yesterday that we just met up and it was good, good fun. So did it, you know, the army, when you got into the army, how did you, how do you find the initiations and the... Um, I had to really shut my mouth through discipline because I've never been like what to be told what to do. So the discipline side was kind of like getting my head around that and moving away from home at 17 and having to iron. Because even when you leave home, I can guess as a student, you never iron, but having to iron and and do shit like that and clean and tidy and do brass and and all that. It was just nuts. Are we still checked in because my screen's gone off? Yeah, mate. I can see you fine there. Ah, good. Sorry. Um, Okay. And I found it not difficult. I I eased into it quite well because we we were living in 20 lads in a room in bunk beds and Mm. the shouting and that, I kind of just let it go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. And and the competitive side of me took over and just wanted me to do well. Yeah. And and I got through training without getting back squatted, which was getting put back four weeks in case you weren't that good Mm. or you needed further development. So I got through first run at it. And, and out of 40, there was only five of us, I think, that did that. Mm-hmm. And as a 17-year-old, it, it was quite, I was quite pleasing. And, and then I enjoyed the, the time in the army. I enjoyed what I did. I got to play a lot of sport. Um, I, got, I didn't get to travel and see the world too much. I spent five out of my 10 years in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of it was spent there, which is, we could talk about it later, but that's where a lot of my PTSD, um, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress came about from there and from living in Africa. But um, I enjoyed it, but I'd, I'd realised I'd reached my promotional ceiling. I wasn't into getting promoted. I wasn't into stabbing people in the back. I wasn't into yeah. conforming. And I think I'd reached a point where I had to leave because um, I didn't want to get dressed up to go for a pie and chips for tea, which is what yeah. you had to do if you were going to go get promoted. And you had to toe the line. And I was, I want a yes man. So I kind of yeah. like left. Are you okay to talk uh, and mention, you know, you mentioned Africa and Northern Ireland there. Is the, are you, are you okay? Are you comfortable talking about that? Just out of interest. I'm all right. I, I talk about it openly now, pal. Yeah. It, it okay. was, I've never talked about it for 20 years properly, apart from in a bit of probably dark humor mm. and in a bit of reminiscing with a couple of lads, yeah. but it's, it, a lot of it is referenced in my book and, and I've, I do talk about it quite openly now. Yeah. Um, if I do talk, I talk quite free flowing. So I'll give a trigger one and anyone that's listening, yeah. I do talk about, death and i talk about a lot of graphic stuff that sure. i've experienced so we will so, cover the book and i've got my copy here mate when i when i saw you yeah. down at spinning top in stockport so so you're talking yourself out of trouble you mentioned the ptsp sd there i always get initials wrong for stuff um so so this book by your own definition really you, you've used these words to try and help you through dealing with your with the with the stress and everything, and from your experiences of being in the army, is that is that how it is? Have I yeah, got that right? that's exactly, the, the title does exactly what it says on yeah. the tin. It's talking, becoming a spoken word artist or writer, creative writer, mm. and, and sharing it with people at open mic nights or when I've supported bands or other spoken worders. It is literally me talking myself out of a troublesome mind mm. and writing my way out of it. Uh, it happened, it all started on the 8th of March, 2019, so we've come up to three years now mm. when I woke up in a police cell. I'd been hammered the night before and I woke up in in um, drunk mm. and I hadn't remembered I'd lost half an hour of my life the night before. And 
I can go in as much to talk about that as you want, but it was the catalyst of coming out and realising I needed help. And I went down and leading up to there, especially over five years at least, there was triggers that I should have done stuff with, physiological stuff with teeth grinding, see shoulders, other other tendons and ligaments that ached, headaches, um, explosive incidents of temper losing and stressed and um, not fitting in and disassociation from family and, and just going on binge drinkers drinking sessions for a few days on end. Yeah. And I, it, I had loads of warnings and I just didn't listen to them. And it were eventually that once this incident happened, I needed to shake my send down and really get a grip. So I went into a period of abstinence. I got onto medication, saw my doctor, yeah. got booked in with healthy minds for therapy, cognitive behavior therapy. And I saw some psychoanalysis through a couple of um psychotherapists um and and then I started my healing process but one of the biggest things and I always say this is the creativity which I'd never explored through writing was one of the biggest things that helped me get over my anxiety depression suicidal thoughts um panic attacks in the middle of the night night sweats and and all my physical ailments that I had vanished within three four months whether that be the the therapy hadn't even started then so whether it's the medication whether it be the getting out walking, um, leaving a toxic environment um, in, on many levels, or it was the words, but I've stuck with the words and I've never gone back. Mm. I've never had a disassociation syndrome that I had. I've never gone and got obliterately drunk like I yeah. used to all the time. So it's kind of a safety mechanism for a mm. cathartic release of thoughts and it's it's working. Sure. So what, what kind of, if you don't mind me asking and let me know if you're not comfortable, what kind of experiences did you witness in africa and northern ireland um, my yeah. first one was as about an 18 year old mm. um i was on the waterside in london derry derry call it what you will i ain't precious um and we chased a couple of lads in a transit van with six loaded mortars which ended up being stopped and we we caught two of the lads and we um the explosive audience guy who had to dismantle them blew himself up and lost sight and um lost limbs out of that um, so that was my first one. And then going back to Ireland, um, after a bit of time in, in Africa, I experienced my mate getting his pelvis blown out by a sniper and we were mortared our base and had to live in a farm for a few days. So to, to escape, to escape the, like the, the shells that had come down till they were cleared. Um, so that was in South Armagh and I'm happy to talk about them. And while I was in Africa, I was in Angola, which was going through its own civil war in 92 and in 96 or 95, I went out towards the end of 95, the first half of 96, I went to Rwanda, which had just gone through an horrendous genocide, which was all of the media. And I went out to do work out there for the army, um, working for the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. And there was a lot of death, a lot of skeletal sort of just scattered everywhere, bones, schools. Yeah in churches and it had been well documented around the global news. And, and there was, there was a lot of aftermath still mocking about while I was there. So I'd, I'd seen quite a lot of trauma and mm. I'd, I'd been wrongly arrested in Angola for, um, for being a mercenary. I was a white fella walking on the beach, had a camera in my hand and they thought I was a mercenary doing some reconnaissance when I wasn't. And I got stripped to my boxer shorts and, mm interrogated and it was just not long after the Terry Waite thing and I thought hey up uh, I ain't gonna see the light of day for a long time now mm. so that was scary um and getting malaria was horrible so I'd gone through a few bumpy times in Africa yeah. and Ireland and I'd, I'd basically battered it all off with a bit of 
a few pints with mates and mm. a bit of a sense of humour and gone, yeah, that's what happens. It's occupational hazard, isn't it? When really it is an occupational hazard and you join the army, you don't expect it to be a, a ride. But um, I hadn't dealt with any of it mm. and I hadn't dealt with it properly. And I just bottled it all up and it took about 20 odd years before it just decided all at once to just explode out in the head. <laughs> and yeah. and it came out in true fashion that I woke up um, pissed and um, in a bad state and eventually in a police cell. So I didn't hurt anyone. Yeah. Well, but, um, thanks for if anyone's ever up. wondering, there yeah. was, I didn't do anything shady. <laughs> I didn't do anything that was um, that hurt anyone. So there, there is no sort of like, um, what's the word? Self-care, self-harm yeah. or no one needs to know. I'm not a violent man. Um, I've not hurt anyone in any way. Um, so there's none of that. And I've only just started really three years on totally being honest about what had happened, mm. but I lost half an hour of my life. I, I was, I was on a tram, um, three lads. I used to have a typical Gallagher Lego head haircut and they, <laughs> they were shouting typically. I'm one of them. Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. Players won the wall. It was all this. And I just back chatted and they followed me off a tram. I got off early for, for my safety because it was getting mm. a bit tetchy somewhere near Ord and Sean near the snipe. And I came home. And what I did was I went into covert mode. I got a, a landline, well, line onto my mates who said I went over to McDonald's. Mm. And then um, the rest of it was mad. I went out of my way, picked up my car, drunk, and wrapped it around a post. Yeah. And I just sat there waiting for the cops going, what the hell has just happened? I just came out of it half an hour later. So half an hour, I still don't know to this day what has gone on. Um, and I, I wanted answers. And eventually, mm. after speaking to psychologists and through therapy, both of them independently, not knowing each other, had said you, you, you suffer with a lot of disassociation syndrome, which mm. to me, I, I understood that as I, when when the anxiety and the PTSD kicks in, I go into some sort of sleepwalking, different zone, the subconscious takes over. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's hopefully a thing of the past now that I've yeah. dealt with it and I deal with it. And, and, and a lot of the stuff in the book, talking myself out of trouble, is, is about that. I was in trouble and mm. I talked my way out of it by becoming a creative writer and then taking it to the stage and creating Leon the pig farmer. Yeah. Well, thanks for opening up about that and being so honest. I think, you know, if it is the real world, isn't it? You know, war and all those yeah. things. And thanks for opening up and being so honest about your experiences there. And, you know, if anybody else is watching this, who's been in those pressurized environments, have you got any advice for, for people that might not be understanding what, what's going on and be able to give them some, tips on um you know uh, i don't know touch points where you know it, it, you might be able to help them identify that there's something else going on that they might need extra help for i think yeah it's it's about seeing the signs and listening to your body mm. i never did i ignored it all and um looking and, and assessing what where you're at in life and mm. what you're doing and, and and there's never too late to change and it's never too weak. It's a cliche. It's a saying. It's never too weak to speak. We as men of a certain age think it's so masculine that if we bottle up and with a stern, stoic, yeah. northern lads who don't let our feelings out. And, and I, I became a victim of that by not talking. I think we're a lot better now. The younger generation are a lot yeah. better. Um, and I think we are as well. I, I joined a few self-care groups about talking and realising when you've got anxiety and realizing a lot more of us do, mm. and especially in this current world where the pressures are there, a lot more of us have got mental health problems than we realize. And it's not about being soft or fluffy or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, 
it's it, it's about just realizing you've got to get better. And I I just say natter to people, really just have a chat. I've, everyone's got some close mates and talk, especially blokes. We crap at it, even if it means going out for a quick pint and just letting your letting everything out of your head. The moment we bottle it up, that's when it's when it manifests, and that's what it did with me for years. I just let things just stir around in here, uh, and it was no good for me. Mm. It really wasn't, and that was years. So that there is no answer. If you tell people, I think I think you're suffering with anxiety or depression, and you need to go see someone. Mm. The, the natural reaction is to put the defences up, and there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine, mm. and it's like everything. But mental health is no different to breaking your leg. It's you, you put a cast on it, you go to A and E. So let's just treat it quite as, a, as simple and as basic as that. That if you've got a problem and you're limping through life because you can't see or think straight. It's no different to putting a plaster on your arm or your leg or or putting your shoulder in a sling. It, it That's how I see it now. And th- there are people out there. It's, it's easy. You don't need to just signpost people. You Googling who can help you. There's healthy minds. There's mind. There's Samaritans. There. Everyone, we know that they're there, but we're not, like, we, we just don't. We're in fear of tapping into them because it's seen as a sign of weakness. And we need to get rid of that stigma that mental health is seen as a personal weakness in anybody because it ain't. It's it's not the, the strength is coming up and standing up and going. I just need a bit of time out and help. There was a lot. There was a band I saw and they were brilliant and I just applauded it. They came up and sent our mental health. Well, one of our isn't in the place. We're canceling our tour. How good is that? It's like you've actually coming up and standing up and going. We're not right, so we'll come back when we are. I, I think that. that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just it's just having the confidence and, and the bravery to do that. And just go look. Yeah, I've, I'm. I've been. I'm going through it. It ain't right. Mm. Um, I I covered it up for twenty odd years, and and it didn't do me any good. So I just implore, just just get out and just yeah. just natter and talk and. Sure. So how how yeah. did the on the pig farmer become a thing? Talk talk us through <laughs> even getting the name and you know creating yeah. having this idea to to become this alter ego. Is that the right way to describe yeah, it? Yeah, I think I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's somewhere that. I can go on a stage, get hold of a microphone and just tell people stories about the real me without the fear mm. of being judged mm. for want of a better way, I think. And that's how it started. And it, it just it exploded and, and, and went where I didn't even think it were going to go. Yeah. Um, I'd been writing for a few months and then um, I went to a couple people. I'd read a couple of bits that I'd done, the early stuff, and a couple of people that were in musicians and other things had gone, they're, they're good. They're really good. You should take them to an open mic night. It's no good being a bedroom poet and keeping them in. So I went to two or three open mic nights towards the end of June, beginning of July, 2019. And when I went to them, the people that were running them also corroborated that and said, look, you've got quite a knack of this. It's good to say for starting stuff. So I went to Blackthorn Festival in in Stockport, which sadly isn't going at the moment, but in July that year, and there was a lot of mates that were playing. And I said to them, any chance I can introduce you and just give them a bit of a spoken word piece. Um, and one of my friends in a band was running the stage. Um, so he went, yeah, crack on, speak to the sound engineer. And we did it. And I was reading from a book then and, and I did it. And a photographer and a, Someone from the same side on Manchester News Report went, who is this? It's it's brilliant. It's mm. great. There's a middle-aged bloke at this festival coming up <laughs> and telling everyone that he's suffering. And, and it kind of went on from there. And after that, I kind of got a taste for it. So I did a couple of gigs in the August towards September. And when I came back, a mate of mine who's a promoter 
said, I'll put you on. What we're putting mm. you on the poster as. Um, you don't want me on Jack Horner, do you? I said, well, I don't know. I said, and just, we were having a brew in the Northern Quarter and I just instinctively said, Leon the Pig Farmer. And he went, what? I said, Leon the Pig <laughs> Farmer. Um, and there is a bit of history to it. Well, first of all, it's a 1992 dark noir um, British comedy. Um, and it's about a Jewish guy that inherits a pig farm. Um, he was swapped at birth through um, test tubes, artificial insemination or whatever it was. And he grew up in a family in London, an affluent Jewish family, when realistically, when his family died, there were Yorkshire pig farmers. So we'd be in Yorkshire and um, it had some link to it. But when we were in the army, a friend of mine, Jason, when we'd go out on the town for security reasons, we wouldn't give our real names or professions, mm-hmm. in, especially in Germany and Northern Ireland. But on this occasion in the UK, my mate Jason had told someone that his name was Leon and that he was a pig farmer. And this was back in the early 90s. Uh. Bear in mind back then, it, there was a lot of shoegaze, um, reverb, distorted music, mm. a, a load of grunge. And we all did dress in Dr. Martin's jeans and scruffy jumpers and, and woolly hats. And, um, and, and and it was believing. He had this West mm. Country, Western Supermare accent, and he had us in stitches. And we it was like we talked to Jason in the third person going, how are you doing, mate? You all right? How's Leon? And it was as if he had this, this little sort of alter ego going on and he'd always say it in the third person, he's fine. So in the name of a military, in, in ode to a friend who's in the army and to having false pseudonyms, I, I, I instinctively chose Leon the Pig Farmer. I've, um, I never fully fitted into the army and other work I've done. Mm. I felt like I was always swimming upstream or against the tide. So it, it, I, I imagine that'd be quite much like a Jewish guy inheriting a pig farm. He didn't mm. quite fit in. So it was like that. And then I've kind of found my place now within the creative world. Mm. And and I feel happy, a lot happier than what I ever have done. So something's going right. And, and after that, I just used it. I pestered promoters. I pestered <laughs> venues. I pestered mates in bands. And I was just salivated to do it more. And, and I did it for another six months before lockdown, pulled the rug. Um, mm. And I think that's why I've been so busy, because I was busy and condensed doing loads of stuff at open mic nights for six, seven months. Mm. Then we had covid and then it was a year and a half before we could get out again and it's been another eight nine months now where i've just before christmas i i am at it just because I, I was missing it and i really enjoy it i do enjoy getting up and telling the mm. short stories and doing the spoken word yeah and they led the first song on the last cabbage album is called leon the pig farmer it is and, yeah and uh you happen to get up on stage with him and perform uh, for them guys recently as well. So just how did how did how does that relationship with Cabbage? How did that begin? And uh, just talk that to began probably over ten years, well, about ten years ago, when they, mm. when the young lads started going drinking in local pubs around where we live. Mm. Um, they were all in different bands then, uh, and I've always been a, a follower of up and coming unsigned mm. bands and DIY stuff. Um, and I've known Owen and Brody and Paddy, especially the three lads there. I've known them since they were younger. Mm. Um, and just going into local pubs and we'd had nattered and stuff like that. And I followed them in the different forms of the bands that were in from where Strutter, Brahma Loka, um, Cabbage, um, some of them gone off to the Afghan Sangan Yellow Brain line. And, and we'd just, cause we just, because we lived in the same area, it, it, we'd always keep in touch with each other. And they were some mm. of the first lads that I'd mentioned. I've got these words, what do you think? And they were like, I've sort of got that. And that's where they say we were first to meet the pig farmer in the city mm. because we were in a pub just having a natter. Um, like, 
just chatting about music and about what we're all up to and we haven't seen each other for a couple of months. So yeah, um, Brody got in touch with me, Lee, and said, ah, yeah, we're putting a new album out and the first song, it's a belter. And he sent me the demos about one minute 50, very mm. dead Kennedy's like, and said, we're putting this one, we've just got to get some words. And and, this, and Lee said, I've got, I've got a poem which has got bang, bang in it quite a lot. And he said, can I use that little bit, part of it? And I went, yeah, and we'll call it Lee on the Pig Farmer. It's all Orwellian and things like that. So I was, I was honoured. It was good. And mm. then I got to, I've done two gigs with them, really. It was a pity they've split up now. But um, I did one just before they went on tour at our local pub where we all go. And I did a little intro from there. But the best one by miles was doing the intro for them at John Hall's um, mm. gig at the Ritz. Well, it was good doing it, but it was under the wrong circumstances, yeah. unfortunately. But for, for John Hall's um, benefit gig, at the Ritz where I went on before then. Mm. And then there was the blinders and hooky on and that, but then their last song when um, I came on and um, the Necroflat, I came on and, and joined them um, with a bit of my own verse and jammed with them, which was brilliant. It really was chuffed for that. Yeah. We, we really enjoyed you on, uh, on, at my tram line stage in Sheffield as well. It was just, I loved it, that. That was a lineup to die for that one. It yeah. Like, battery I've, found pagans. I'm having a Claire. nightmare this year, trying to book my tram line stage to get it better than last year. <laughs> I can't. I, I don't. Oh, you, know, I don't know how I'm going to do it. No, you'd be struggling. It was. <laughs> it was. It was cracking. It was a good vibe. It was like. Yeah. Um, it was just looking at everyone's. I, I, I'm a people observer, and I was watching mm. everyone that was in there, and um, and from the first band that went on, because um, there was a lot of hard shouting, a lot mm. of aunt, like Ollie of Sinclair and and Ben of Battery Farm, and and you've got all those as well as Marcus and Pagans, all very and me mm. very shouty, very upfront. Mm people yeah. on a microphone and it, and it was in your face and people were like well, what's going on uh, but by halfway not even halfway through everyone it clicked and it yeah. it was like it, it was just under mile an hour tsunami of noise and music and good stuff and it was a cracking day out that mate it was, i don't know it was I, I, I need i'm calling out for help <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really struggling to be able to beat that lineup from last year but... i know everyone's going he puts on a banging stage great boot great boozer <laughs> great lineup how, how do we beat that and it, it was it was one of them yeah. It's it, it was great. I but it works. It, it works really well in music. Your your, your performance it sets it, up music nice. What is it about your performance that helps the process of live music? Um, I think it's because the energy, the emotion that I mm. put into it. I don't use phones or books. I've got forty six verse that I rehearse every week that mm. are in my head, and when I learn a new one, it is literally very lyrical it rhymes there's an element mm. of i wouldn't say some people have associated it to rap but i i can see that because of its rhyme and its cadence but it's very lyrical there's a lot of rhyme in it there's sometimes a chorus in it so it is very much like a cappella it's it's like a song but with no music mm. and i stand up there stripped bare with without a band and i give you a vocalist's performance whether it be four times five, six minute sets between bands or I give you a 20 minute set. You get the energy that you mm. would from a front man, but without three or four other lads and lasses or a front woman um, the, without without trying to be pigeonhole and, and getting slated for that. But without a good front woman or a front man, mm. I, I do something similar, but without music. But then again, we'll talk about it. In a bit, yeah. like, I, know, I hope we will about how I've we definitely will. transferred that to the dirt. And, and, and do and do that but I love it I love both sides of it but I think it, it does work well I think because of who I am the identity how I mm. look I guess um don't dress that conformist I, I've got a bit of a quirk I guess and and I think it's it fits in with the band scene it fits in with 
with music and, and the people that like mm. that kind of music get that kind of art and the spoken word that blends in with it. So I, I think with having a lot of interest in music, I kind of migrated towards that side of it more than I did the um, the literacy and poet spoken it word o- night side. It, of it always surprises me when I speak to comedians or speak to people like yourself, it always surprises me because I've seen you perform, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight times. I, I, I don't know. Uh, how do you remember all that stuff? Because <laughs> it's, you know, I've, I've just got a brain like a sieve sometimes and I just can't... Well, is, do you use special techniques to be able to remember this kind of stuff? What's, what's... Uh, Yeah, I um, most of the stuff I do are either eight, nine or ten four-line stanzas. So they're all very mm. similar verses. They're all four lines. They don't always rhyme, but mm. either the, the second or the fourth or the first and second or third and fourth will tend to add some sort of rhyme. Or, mm. And there'll be a level of cadence to it, similar sort of bar beats. And when I'm learning a new one, um, it's got to have a reference. There's got to be a story to me. So mm. a beginning, middle and end. So I kind of know where I'm going. Um, so if I do miss a verse out, I can always go back one and it won't mm. be too bad. But I, I learn a line and then I learn two and then I'll make sure I've got the first one line, one verse of four lines in my head. And then I build building blocks and I build up to two verse, three verse, four verse. Some I'll get eight verse in my head in a day. And then it's a mm. case of going through it three or four times a day till it's there. So there's a lot of back, back work, that, background work that goes into it, to be fair. Mm. Um, and I, I use that kind of like, it, it's very rhythm and relaxing for me. So I'll sit with a cup of tea and just, and learn it until I've got all eight, or eight, nine, 10 verse in my head. And, and then I'll work, once it's in my head, I'll juggle and work around with it and say, oh, all right, yeah, I like that verse. And then I'll take it out and put a chorus in verse in just to punctuate it a bit. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I go about it. And then once it's in my head, like every bit of verse, when I go out for a run on a Monday or a Friday, usually I um, I recite them all on a loop around ah, Saddleworth, and yeah. that's 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 my that's my rehearsal time for me spoken word. Well, I'm just looking through your book here again, just for everybody. Still available, is it, mate? Still available. Still yeah, available. I've got a few I'll pull into I keep it. Buying a few. Yeah, I'll... buy it off me or buy it off Lulu.com. Please, right? Don't okay. Buy it. it is on Amazon. And I tell people, mate, if you buy it off Amazon, I get two quid because I give some to charity. They don't get much. And, uh, and Bezos, Bezos basically gets enough money to buy another spacecraft. <laughs> well, it's beautifully il- illustrated. Who, who did the illustrations on there? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Phil Wagstaff, who's a local yeah. lad. I've known him for years through the local pubs. It's, it's a common theme, me knowing people around here in boozers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's now a recovering alcoholic. He hasn't yeah. drunk for five, six years since mm-hmm. he... His art stopped and his his organs gave up and he still does art and he's got the most he's got a, a crazy mind and now that he's sober the, the clarity sticks in it's just crackers it's um it's mad and um he's very good so I gave him about mm. 15 20 verse and just said hey put them through your art machine in your head and come out and the work he's come out with is that that yeah that one that's um, on the left hand side it's just barmy. And, and the right-hand <laughs> stuff to do in Northern Ireland. He, he's, he's just amazing of what he comes up with. And and we, we some of them were all on like A3 size, which mm. I picked about 50 by 40 centimetres or whatever it is. And and literally I had to chop them into bits because it was so detailed. If, if we'd have shrunk it down, yeah. you wouldn't have seen the detail that was in it. Wow. And that that's, I had to get him to put that one in because that's one he'd done before. Mm. But... Um, yeah, he's he's a very talented man, and in, in in doing gothic and dark art, 
and I loved working with him. I am going to do another book with him mm. in, in a while. I've, I've got one other project on the go at the moment, yeah. which is more to do with photography and dystopian landscapes in Manchester. I want yeah. to talk about commentating me walks through the Northern Quarter and spinning fields and all that. Like. Mm. And, um, but then I am going to do another one with him on an Alice in Wonderland theme, so I'll test his brain a bit more then. Yeah, brilliant. Well, uh, amazing stuff, mate. And, you know, to, to call it talking myself out of trouble... Uh, and just being so honest about it. I'm sure there's people out there that you'll never meet that, you know, see the message and see it from afar and they're thankful that, you know, you know, you're spreading the message and it must resonate with a lot of people. Do, do you hear from people that the message has resonated with? I do. I, I get messages yeah. off people a lot on, on Messenger or on, on the Pig Farmer Messenger page or, mm. or even through the website and stuff saying, mate, I've got your book. This is nuts. And, yeah. and I get a few. I've had, I had a Zoom call with a veterans charity last night who, mm. who got behind the book and enjoy what I'm doing. And we want to spread it amongst veterans or homeless and mental health charities. And I got, I did a talk and I got someone asked me, I do work with Turning Point in Manchester with drug mm. addiction and alcohol addiction, just see if I can help them with just finding an artist. It doesn't have to be writing. I always go in with the open mind. Yeah. Just find something creative. But that I do get other people, even at gigs, someone will come up to me like they did when I did a gig with the dirt the other week. And a guy came up mm. to me and went, I'm an ex-squaddy. Um, that really resonates with me. And at mm. the time, he didn't know that I was an ex-serviceman suffering with PTSD. We got chatting mm. and... And it just opens up then doors to talking yeah. and it gives them something and it gives everybody a, a line or a hope that if, if you are in that dark place, there's, 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 there's a way out of it. There's yeah. a, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, I think. Well, you mentioned one of your newest projects there, the dirt with your wife, I love it. Chico. Yeah. How, how did that like, how did, did you, did you, did it, st- did it start from, I'm guessing it starts from being on the stage with bands and just thinking, I want a bit more of this. It, it, it kind of a, a bit like that. It was more that um, when I first met her and I went out to Japan to, to yeah. visit, she's Japanese yeah. before we start. Like she's, she's Japanese. I met her over in England while she was over here studying um, some English. Um, she's the same age as me. She, she, she came over. She's got the same interest in music as me. Mm. Um, going back to bands from the 80s and stuff we were into like Mary Chain, uh, The Fall, we, we, we're all into like Sonic Youth and Ride and, and Shoegaze Band. She likes a bit of prog stuff um, and I like stuff a bit heavier. Mm. But we've always had a, chatted about music. And I went out to meet her and I watched her band Single Man play a three-piece playing Kanazawa. And, wow. and I just liked what she did. And as we got, to, we got to know each other and she was visiting me over here before she moved over, uh, we started chatting about, oh, you, and she started bringing her guitar pedals over. So she was practicing and learn and teaching other stuff, mm. uh, which it just organically went. She went, oh, yeah, I'd like to start something, but I can't write English lyrics. I went, well, I've got books full of stuff. <laughs> Shall we do something? So leading into lockdown, mm. when she was on one of the visits here, which she just put a lot of guitar tracks down on a, a home recording studio on a laptop in, in the house where we've got a little room in the basement, like a, a rehearsal recording place which it is now, it was, um, she came back with this stuff and I just put some words on there through a mic and we liked it that much. We put we put it out on Bandcamp and created a name mm-hmm. and, and people got behind it and then lockdown came in so we couldn't do anything live, but we still practised and it was a case of when we got our lockdown, we promised and we had a few people saying, I'd love to see that live. Mm-hmm. So we took it further and we rehearsed and we rehearsed and we rehearsed and then we've managed to get it live and get a few people backing us to go and, and do some live gigs. So we've done three so far, which have, which have all been brilliant. One with Yellow mm. Brain from round here, one with Matt Radcliffe-Zoon, 
and one with Fuzz Club's new, new candies from Italy. And they've all been brilliant. We've got a few more great ones lined up through the summer. And, and I love it. I, I really do. It's, it's something that's totally different, working one with your wife. Um, that's what I'm going to ask. What's I, it like working with your wife? It's, it's brilliant, mate. It's Go like, um, people are going, you're lying. Working with your wife, you never argue. <laughs> it's like, but we don't. It's, it's, it's very organic. It's just we strip everything down and she's that good. If, if anyone's not seen it, just look at a few pictures. Her, yeah. her effects pedal board, if, it, if the Titanic was that board, it wouldn't have sunk. It's that huge and robust. It's mental. <laughs> and, and, the way, and the way she orchestrates it and works around it, it's, it's mesmerising. And, and I just love watching her play and watching her do stuff. And, it, and it's, it's, I, I've got an easy job. I really have. I just got, oh, I like the sound of that. I've got the lyrics for that. And I'll learn the lyrics and then I'll just layer them on the top. So I do have it quite easy. So did, did, to, did Sachiko, did she have the, uh, all the effects and everything before the dirt? Or was that a result of the dirt? She, she's already had a, she's always had her effects pedals, mm. but everything she plays, she won't play in a backing track. She refuses to use them. So she'll play guitar, she'll, she has a loop station mm. and she has a switch pedal station yeah. for changing effects. So she has a ridiculous amount of noise distortion sounds on there mm. and she'll play like a backing bass line. She'll then play a rhythm guitar bit, layer it in, and then she'll play other guitars while I'm talking. So she's constantly on the go. She mm. grafts really hard for the half an hour, 40 minutes that I we do. I can imagine you. You have uh, got the easy bit, haven't you? I have, yeah. But it's getting harder now because um, <laughs> I've brought a sample pad, so we're going to add some percussion oh, okay. and make, make some songs a bit different and throw yeah. in some quite clangy industrial percussion sounds. I'm not going to call it drumming because I've got to use a loop pedal to even get it in sounding <laughs> like, a, like something to drumming. But, um, yeah, I'm going to bring a bit of that in and just to give it that. We, we like it so it's quite DIY. Yeah. clunky and so it's not over nice and, and it's something different i think um it's enjoyable mm. so yeah we did we brought a cd out that that shifted really quick a limited edition so i've ordered a few more copies of that because more people are wanting them and um that's good i'm enjoying everything pal it's it's just yeah it's just nice to be creative and having yeah. the scope to be able to do it mm. Well, I'll put the links, send me your links, and I'll, I'll put them on and if, if you're interested in finding out more about the dirt and the young yeah. pig farmer in more general. Um, in the description of this podcast, there'll be loads of links. Click on those links, and it'll take you straight towards Jack. So what uh, what other projects have you got coming up then that, that, um, you, that you can do, talk about? Uh, I've got a I – mean, my next book's going to come out in the summer. I've got mm. all verse. I've got to the first stage of sifting. I've put 40 verse together, and I need to get it down to 30. Um, and maybe rewrite a couple. I'm then going to go to... Who, who makes that decision to, to to shorten it down? Is that a self-edit thing or is that, is that like I'll, a publisher I'll self-edit thing? I'll self-edit it down to probably 35. And then yeah. I'll, I'll give them... Last time I, I did it with a friend of mine, Trudy, and we went we got it down and then we put them in some sort of order mm. to make it flow. So I give it to a third party to do that because I could be biased and it might not right. be as good as what a reader would want. Mm. So I'll give it to someone else and for them to give it some sort of order and then we'll get it down to 30. I think 30 is a nice number in that size book. And then I'm going to work with a photographer and get some loads of monochromes, black and white distorted images. And, and we're going to put a, a juicy book together that's to, that's a bit different and mm. look through our eyes of, of Manchester and of the North and, and say it's not as glossy as the media and other people make it out. There's stuff going on in the back streets and back scenes, which which are a little bit different. 
So that's that's the next project. There's no title. that we're, we're still in the early stages mm. of collecting material, but I'd like to have it out for the summer and self-publish again, really, and just keep it DIY. And, and I'm, I'm doing... I'm getting the dirt. I'm nattering people for gigs. That's mm. that's all booked up for the year. We've got one a month, and we're going to keep it at that for the time being. We don't want to overexpose it. Mm. But I'm doing little collaborations with people. I've done a couple of more more electronic kind of stuff where I put words down. So I've done a few of them, and and I've got one or two more that I'm looking at doing, mm. and just setting up a few little different gigs myself with a with a few different people, and just enjoying it really. Mate, it's bit. You're you're all over the internet. I love to see it. You're working so hard and it's paying off. It's just it's just nice to see you online and see you every now and again down at a gig and share a pint with you. Um yeah. to finish off the little interview today, uh, would you mind doing us a little bit of something that you that means something to you? Well, I, I presume everything means something to you, but I mean would you like to do as a what's it called? Would you like to do as a little piece? I'll do your piece out of the book. Go on. Um and it's a two piece one. Mm. Um, and it's called, it's one of my favourites, and it seems to be some, one that a lot of people like, if not heard it, and it's called The Monkey and the Devil, and it kind of sums up what my mental health was about. Mm. I had this little trick monkey telling me stuff to do, um, the mischievous side of me, uh, and it's about the monkey and then having a scrap with the devil and literally coming out the other side uh, and realising you can win. So it's kind of a message that, yeah, we all have these little demons, but right. um, it's, it's how we take them on. So... Um, I do humorous stuff as well, social commentary. So I've I've got a fair bit of that, and I like to mix that into my set, so it's yeah. not all dark and dreary and mm. self indulgent about my mental health. So <laughs> yeah, there it goes then. Here's the geed with a long leather coat, a red paisley bandana that covers his throat. He's got a tilted trilby and an eye so vicious and he lurks in the corner of my subconscious. He's a waiter to the world of my emotional dysfunction. He serves ready meals to my personal destruction. I accept his twisted malevolent suggestion or when I dine on guilt and a bottle of correction. But when did I let him decide and wait for the bill to restore my pride? You see, the menu reads like an old damaged story with every attempt to remove life's glory. Well, this is Twilight Crazy Town. Why should I pay with my voice and sound? I dig deep and I delve for me nine out of ten. A three course thoughts to feelings and to actions and I will win. So I stop. And I reflect and I don't collaborate or even reject. I'm intrusive. I ask my thoughts why and I do not contemplate or listen to lies. Because do they serve you? Do they get in the way? Do they deserve you? Can those thoughts stay? Never be ashamed of what you've done. Be punching proud of what you've become. Because I confronted stories of a tiger and hunter, of milk and honey, and they made me wonder. A pauper farmer and a broken son. Those of wild horses and what the army has done. I'll fold paper into fighter planes. These are flying fucks to help not blame. I won't let the cash cow grind me down. I'm going to take back my orb and the thornless crown. I'll pour water on your flames of suppression. I'll pour petrol on hope so we burn with passion. I will restore cracks with glistening gold. We are unique histories. We've got stories to be told. Because the reaper, he sits with a rusty blade. He's frowning and cowering. Our futures are made. Here is a message that I will give to you from the Japanese proverb, Sarobo Kikara Achiru. Even a monkey falls from a tree. My monkey fell from a tree. One day yours could fall from the tree. It's how you pick yourself up and believe. Because my heart is now presented without a black and tortured soul. I'm instructing Lucifer, go and ride on home. I'll uninjure remove myself from the ebony cross. I'll extract those nails one by one and my hands are held aloft. So come on then, Diablo, let your dog off the leash. I'll stare into its gaping jaws. I'll break its frothing teeth. The black sheep fingers are burnt. They're still placed on a trigger. It's a darkened silhouette. And I'm a lonely standing figure. So come on then, old Nick. I ain't afraid of this. I'm going to grip you. I'm going to choke you. I'm going to silence your snake hiss. I will escort you from the party and vanquish you because this is my life. Or when you think you can extinguish my candle in the night. I don't think so, Dark and Prince, because you can think you can shine brighter. 
I'm the fierce dog now and I'm a battler and I'm a fighter and I will not be imprisoned or suffering a golden silence. These cemetery gates, they're ripped open and I am going to dance without a shyness. So we can sit opposite each other here now, Baphomet, because you've played your final ace. I'm healing. You're deceiving. May I spit in your face. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Leona Big Farmer, Jack, cheers, mate. Uh, really appreciate you joining us down at the podcast today. Uh, thank thanks for being open and honest me. about everything. It's really appreciated. And I will be putting a pint in front of you very soon when I see you out there in the real world down at a gig in Manchester somewhere. Cheers, mate. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Joining us on the podcast. Interesting guy. Very talented guy. Check out the dirt. Check out Leon the Pig Farmer store. He's all over the place. He's on it. Yeah, thanks, guys, for joining us for another week here on the Yardium Experience Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed yourself. Um, we'll be back next week, obviously. Yeah, check us out on Facebook. Facebook? I didn't mean to say that. Check us out on YouTube. You can see all the video versions of the podcasts on there. And Jacks will be out on Wednesday-ish. They usually, the video versions usually come out on Wednesday after Monday. It comes out, this audio version. Yep, check that out. Follow us on RGM Pod. Do check out our sponsor as well, Ditto. If you're in a band, grab a free trial on us. Just click on the link in the description of this podcast. Um, we'll put all the descriptions to Jack's um, stuff on there as well. So you can find the On The Pig Farmer stuff, the dirt stuff. Uh, yeah, check out the description. There's loads of links and subscribe on there as well. That'd be nice. Um, yeah, we always appreciate it. Tell your friends. Search for RGM on the podcast, on the website, on YouTube, all over the world. And as always, guys, make sure you have a bloody good week. Earn yourself a few quid. Get out to a few gigs. Come and say hello to us if you see us. It's very much appreciated. So thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. I'm Carl Maloney, and I'm getting off. It's been a long, bloody day. I'll see you at Yarna Fest on Saturday. Let's do it. Toodle-oo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe and tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support and we'll see you next week.